All right. Well, as we continue uh, in our series, Jesus Speaks Today, uh, we are going to be looking at statements of Jesus uh, from the Gospel of John. That's, that's what the series is. And we come to a section of Scripture today where Jesus did something that he often did. He speaks in a way that people who are open to God understand. But people whose hearts are uh, closed toward God or hard toward God, uh, those people refuse to understand uh, what he's saying. It was a manner of speaking used by Jesus not to conceal truth from anyone, but to reveal truth to those who actually sought it, while at the same time exposing those who didn't understand what he was saying as people who weren't really seeking truth, weren't really approaching Jesus honestly. And I have to tell you, it will do the same thing here among us today. If your heart is inclined toward God, you are going to hear and understand what Jesus says in John 6, at least if I don't mess, mess, it, mess it up, uh, but, which is possible. But if your heart is not inclined toward God, you are going to stumble over the words of Jesus here in John chapter 6. The, Bible, uh, the word of God never returns to us void. It's never ineffective. And often we think that that means that people respond well to it. The word of God is effective no matter how people respond to it. It either draws a person closer to God or it reveals their distance from God and reveals their ongoing rejection of God. Sometimes the word of God even hardens a person in their rejection of God. And so my hope here today is that every one of us in this room, the fact that you came here today would suggest this is true. I hope it is. That everyone here is genuinely seeking God, honestly pursuing truth, and receives the truth that John speaks to us from this sixth chapter, uh, that Jesus speaks to us from this sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. So we're doing something today we don't normally do. We are covering an incredibly large section of Scripture, uh, verses 25 through 69. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we'll usually cover, you know, three, five, ten verses, something like that. But today, uh, we're covering, I think, 44, 45 uh, verses. It's honestly a, a bit larger section than I uh, prefer to cover in one message, but we're going to give it a try. And I am going to take the time to read the entire section of Scripture. Amen. I'm, I appreciate the support, Joe. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think we have this attitude that reading this much Scripture in a service is too much. It's like too much scripture for one service. Uh, but I don't think we should really see it that way. In fact, if you consider Paul's instructions to Timothy, uh, as well as the practice of the early Christians, there would be a suggestion to us that we have too little public reading of scripture, not too much reading of scripture. So, you know, put aside your distractions, uh, concentrate real good, and uh, follow along as I read these verses, uh, 26 uh, 25 through 69. Here's what they say. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Have you noticed in the last couple of weeks that Jesus kind of doesn't answer people's questions? Like he has his own, his own agenda for what he wants to say. 
And it's like, oh, you asked me a question. That's going to give me an opportunity to tell you what I really uh, want to tell you. And uh, I've just found that interesting over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, he goes on, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, the God, uh, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what miraculous signs then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe." All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble uh, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has an everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever." This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me 
unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So we see early in the section we read that Jesus is speaking here about salvation and eternal life. In verse 20, he said, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. This section that we have read comes very shortly after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Many of you know that story. Jesus had taken uh, five loaves of bread and two small fish. He had miraculously multiplied them, and he had fed 5,000 people. And what it appears is happening here is that the people are coming to Jesus desiring more food. I mean, you you have to remember that these are people who had been taught about their ancestors being fed manna from heaven, and they've now seen Jesus miraculously supply food for 5,000 people. It seems as though they were hoping for their own arrangement with Jesus of ongoing manna from heaven. They were coming to Jesus for more food. And Jesus' statement leads us to believe this is what's going on because he says they aren't coming to him because they saw miraculous signs, but they're coming because they ate the loaves. And so to people coming to him for physical food, Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You understand what Jesus has just done here? People have come to him for physical food, and he's essentially said, what you really need is something other than physical food. I, I can't even hardly wrap my brain around Jesus doing that in today's church. Can you imagine what critique Jesus would place himself under in today's church culture that has largely decided that providing for the physical needs of people is, quote, what churches really ought to be doing? Now, don't hear me say things I'm not saying. Jesus is very clear about his concern for caring for the physical needs of the poor. His concern that his people take care of the disadvantaged is crystal clear in Scripture. And this church believes that and does that. And, and we serve faithfully in a food pantry, many of you uh, caring for the needs of the poor. But unlike many in the church today, Jesus is also clear that the greatest need anyone has is not to be clothed and well-fed in this life, but to eat the food that leads to eternal life. Can we be honest about something? When we give someone physical food, we have done a good thing for them, but we have done the second best thing for them. The best thing is that they eat the food that leads to eternal life. Thankfully, it's not an either-or thing, but we need to keep this in mind. And so this is what Jesus tells them. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Jesus says there is food that endures to eternal life, and then he tells us 
where this food comes from. Verse 32, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Uh, Verse 27 also emphasized this uh, when he said the food that gives eternal life is food the Son of Man will give you. And so we've already seen that there is bread, there is food that gives eternal life, and this uh, bread is given by God. It is a gift of God. And then we learn that the bread is Jesus. Jesus himself is the bread that gives eternal life. It's, it's emphasized several times through here. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I, I think I said 35, that was 33. Verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never go thirsty. Verse 41, Jesus said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. We can't get much clearer than that. There's bread that brings eternal life. The the one who comes down from heaven is that bread. And Jesus says, I'm the one that's come down from heaven. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. So there is bread that provides eternal life. This bread is a gift from God. Jesus is the bread that brings eternal life. Jesus has already said a bunch of stuff that rocked the world of the people who were listening to him that day. And now he's going to find out who is really seeking truth, who is really inclined toward God, and who isn't. So here's what he says. Verse 51. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And now here's, here's where we get into the part where he's going to separate those who care about truth, where he's going to find out who, who is really searching for him, seeking him honestly, and who isn't. And so he says... This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In verse 52, we're told the people started arguing among themselves. They were revealing their spiritual blindness. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And I want you to notice how Jesus responds to this kind of question. Jesus does not respond by saying, oh, hold on, hold on. It doesn't mean what it sounds like it means. That's not what Jesus says. He, he, do, he doesn't say, oh, 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 let me make this easier for you. He doesn't do any of that. What he does is he, he says it again, only this time he says it stronger and more graphically. Verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. And then he just, he just keeps going after them harder and harder. Verse 55, for my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. No softening it, no, no backing down. My flesh is real food. My blood is is real drink. And then Jesus says in verse 58, he who feeds on this bread will live forever. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. He who feeds on this bread feeds on me will live forever. Well, we already saw in verse 
52 that people were not understanding what Jesus was saying. In fact, they were horrified by what Jesus was saying, as we'll see here in a few minutes. But here's something I want us to see today. There was no good reason for them to fail to understand him. There was no good reason. All through his teaching here in John 6, Jesus has made it very clear what it means to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Just after telling them that there was food that brings eternal life and that they should be more concerned with that than working for food that spoils, the people ask, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe on the one that he has sent. Right from the beginning, Jesus is setting everything that he says in the context of believing in the one that is sent from God, believing in him. Verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So in the context of food that leads to eternal life, Jesus has told them that those who look to the Son and believe in him have this eternal life. Again in verse 47, which states the point that Jesus is making so clearly that misunderstanding simply cannot be excused. He says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Eating Everywhere that Jesus speaks about eating in his teaching here in John 6, he is speaking about believing. And these verses scattered throughout his teaching and stated as plainly as can be stated, make it abundantly clear that that that's what Jesus means when he says, eat my flesh. Eating is believing. Augustine said, believe and you have eaten. Jesus has not been unclear in his communication. He has stated very plainly throughout exactly what he means. Those who are inclined toward God, those who are pursuing truth, understand it and receive it. Those who are not inclined toward God, those who are not pursuing truth, they reject what Jesus says and they reject Jesus. Many refused the bread of life. We're told in verse 60 on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And then verse 66 lets us know from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Notice first that there were people who have been following Jesus. Up until this point, they have been attracted to Jesus. They have affirmed Jesus. They've been drawn to his teaching. But now he's taught something they don't like. Now he said something that they just can't really go along with. And so they turn back and no longer follow him. Being a person who follows Jesus, likes some of his teachings, maybe even identifies as a Christ follower, Friends, none of that means that a person truly belongs to him. None of that means that a person has truly surrendered to him. None of that means a person has truly been born again. Like then, 
The church is full of people who follow Jesus as long as he says what they want him to say. And then they turn away as soon as he challenges them in some way that they don't like. And this is why I frequently say around here, you probably get a little tired of hearing me say it, but it's why I frequently say, why I remind us that Jesus is not some spiritual guru that we're following. He's not a guru who you say, oh, I love this part of his teaching. But this other thing he says, yeah, you know, I'm not so sure about that. Jesus is different than that. Jesus is Savior and Lord. Must be received for who he really is. We have to see him as more than just a great teacher to be followed. He is the Savior to be received. And he is the Lord that we must yield to that we must serve, and that we must obey. Obey. Which means, when what I want and think comes into conflict with what he wants and thinks, I'm the one that gives. I'm the one that yields. I'm the one that says, okay, we'll we'll do it your way. But they said, this is a hard teaching. William MacDonald says that this phrase, this is a hard teaching, meant that they were offended by Jesus' teaching. You know, when we read it, it can sound like they're honestly struggling with it, like there's confusion on their part. They're, they're legitimately like trying, but, but not being able to understand, but this is not really what's going on here. They were offended by Jesus' teaching. And MacDonald also points out that who can understand it really means Who can stand to listen to such offensive doctrine? Who can stand to listen to such offensive speech? And so the meaning of this verse is is really something like this. What he has just said is so offensive that I don't know how anyone can stand to listen to him. Jesus is revealing their true hearts. He's revealing their rejection of the truth. They are rejecting the bread of life sent from the Father. They are rejecting Jesus. I want you to notice here that Jesus never backs down. He never waters down his message to get more followers. He never does it. Doesn't water down the message to get more people to follow him. Verse 61 lets us know Jesus was aware of their grumbling, so he asked, does this offend you? And then in the face of their offense, he he says at the end of verse 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, and yet there are some of you who do not believe. I've just told you how to have eternal life. You must believe on me, but you will not do it. So many turned back and no longer followed him. Friends, we have to understand here that their inability, their unbelief was not rooted in their inability to understand. It was rooted in their unwillingness to understand. Not an inability, an unwillingness. Jesus made it very clear, as we've seen. But he has a way of saying things that if your heart is not toward God, you will not hear what he says. And sadly, many people are like this today. 
You, you, you may have noticed this. You might even be like this, though I hope you're not. People will pick out one thing that Jesus said or that the Bible says, and they refuse to understand it. They, they, they cling to a wrong understanding because it is what they need in order to justify their rejection of Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've had someone who is offended that a Christian has dared to call them out on something. Uh, often it is maybe something to do with, with a sin in their life. And usually these are like fellow Christians, uh, you, you know, uh, that, that, that this is happening with. And they'll respond with something like this. If you eat uh, shellfish, if you eat shellfish, you have no right to call me out on whatever. And usually it's like, you know, like if you eat shellfish, you don't have anything to say about my adultery because you're a sinner just like I am. Haven't you read the Old Testament? Jesus condemns both. I think most of you have heard arguments like this. They are out there. And it does not matter how many times you try to explain why we aren't obligated not to eat shellfish anymore, but we are obligated to surrender our sexuality to God, no matter how many articles from world-class Christian thinkers you provide to explain the difference, they will not let go of their argument. They, it is a refusal to see the truth. They can't see it and continue to justify their actions and their rejection of Jesus. So they refuse to see it. It's as plain as day. Can't see it. If you've run up against something like that, friend, you are simply facing what Jesus faced. Not an inability to understand, but a refusal to understand. A rejection of the bread of life. A rejection of Jesus. If you're here today and you happen to be a person who is rejecting Jesus, I think for most people who are doing that deep down in the place that only you know about, you sense there's a pretty good chance Jesus is true and right and real. But there is something that is keeping you from him. Usually it's something we don't want to give up. Trust me, I have been there. It's something we don't want to give up, something that we don't want to yield to God. And so it causes us to make excuses. It causes us to claim that Jesus isn't clear when he's actually crystal clear. It causes us to claim that the Bible is too hard to understand when in fact the vast majority of the Bible is very straightforward. I hope today that you'll stop making excuses I plead with you to stop making excuses, to turn to Christ in faith, to eat the bread of life, to believe on Jesus, to be saved and receive eternal life. So some refused the bread of life, but some heard Jesus speak about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, heard him explain what it means to, to uh, have faith in him, that that's what it means to believe in him, and they did receive the bread of life. They ate the bread that brings eternal life. They believed on Jesus. When many of the disciples started to part and turn away from Jesus, he turned to his closest, the 12, and he asked them, you don't want to leave too, do you? 
And Simon Peter answered this wonderful answer in verse 68. You know, Simon Peter gets a lot of grief from Christians. But Simon Peter says some of the best things said by people other than Jesus in the New Testament. And so Simon Peter answered in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, where else are we going to go? We recognize you're the one with the words of eternal life. And that's true of all who will receive the bread of life. Those who believe in Jesus are those who recognize that Jesus and Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. They recognize that Jesus has the answers, that Jesus is the answer to eternal life. Many of us here today have recognized this about Jesus. And it's my prayer that every person here today, if you have not already, you would come to the place of recognizing that Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. And then in verse 69, Peter goes on and says, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Those who receive the bread of life recognize Jesus has the words of life and they believe, they know that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. When he says he's the bread of life, when he says that those who eat his flesh and drink his blood will have eternal life, that those who believe in him will have eternal life, they do believe. They know he is who he says and that he can do what he says he can do. I pray that God would grant each person here today the gift of faith. That you would say, yes, I want eternal life. I know Jesus has the words of life. I know Jesus is the bread of life. And I pray that you would turn to him and ask him what you need to do. And you would hear from him again these words from verse 26. Believe in the one God has sent. And that you would believe in Jesus. Sent from God to give you eternal life. If you'll make the decision to believe in him, or if you've already made that decision, Jesus shared some really good news in verses 37 and 39, kind of tucked into the middle of what we read here today, kind of, kind of easy to read over if we're not careful. I want to share those and we'll wrap up with this. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. I will never drive away. If you are considering turning to Christ in faith, Jesus promises that if you come to him, he will not reject you. He will not turn you away. He will receive you. You're not too sinful for Jesus. You haven't been too rebellious for Jesus. You aren't too broken. You're not too damaged for Jesus to accept you, to receive you, to save you. He promises that he will never drive you away. And then verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. If you turn to Christ in faith, 
genuinely place your trust in him, believe in him and his atoning death, receive him as your savior, eat the bread of life, he promises that he's going to keep a hold of you. He will not lose those that the father gives him. If you've already received Christ, genuinely believed on him, you have this assurance that Jesus will not lose hold of you. You are safe, you are secure, and he will raise you up at the last day. What a promise. What an assurance. Safe, secure. He's not going to lose you. All it requires to be safe and secure in his care and to be raised up in the last day is for your faith to be genuine, not feigned, not just cultural identification with Christianity or the church, but genuine faith. When you have that, you're secure. Christ will keep you to the last day and he will raise you to eternal life. So this is what we've learned today. Jesus is the bread of life. His flesh is real food. His blood is real drink. If we will feast on him, if we will take him into ourselves, which simply means to genuinely believe on him, if we'll do that, then we receive eternal life. Why don't you stand?